Welcome to Drinks at Work by Boothby with Sam Bygrave. That's me. Uh, quick note up top. From next week, I'm hoping to have Drinks at Work come out on Wednesday instead of Thursdays. So Boothby newsletter subscribers will now get three emails a week, one each on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. If you're enjoying the podcast or the email, or hopefully both, please share it with a friend and encourage them to smash those subscribe buttons, as they say, on YouTube. And that leads me neatly to today's guest. Today, I'm talking to Cara Devine. You might know Cara from Melbourne Rooftop Bar, Bomba, where she's the bar manager. You may also have seen her writing in industry publications like Australian Bartender and on places like boothby.com.au. But it's more likely you know Cara from her successful and popular YouTube channel, Behind the Bar with Cara Devine. That's where she has amassed over 135,000 subscribers and puts out videos each week, some of which pull in several hundred thousand views. Behind the Bar with Cara Devine is focused on demystifying the world of cocktails and spirits and shares Cara's expertise without the bro culture and scream-in-your-face scripts that plague so much of the drinks content on YouTube. In this episode, I ask her about how she got started on YouTube, how she goes about making the videos and getting them out to the world, and whether or not it's possible to make real money talking drinks on YouTube and how you might go about that. Cara is, I think, one of the most engaging and interesting voices to emerge in the last few years talking and writing about drinks, and I really enjoyed the chance to talk shop with her. So now, my chat with Cara Devine. Cara Devine, thanks for joining me on Drinks at Work from Boothby. Thank you very much for having me. Good way to start the morning. Thanks, thanks for joining me. I'm really excited to talk some shop with you because we've met before, but we haven't really had a chance to sort of talk about what it is you do. Yeah, you've got and um, I imagine a pretty busy week most weeks because you have not only are you uh, you know a successful YouTuber with a whole bunch of uh, views on that and a really interesting, engaging channel there. You do you write a couple of pieces a month for Australian bartender, my where I learnt my craft yeah. back in the day, and you also run a bar full time. So I don't know how you do that part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, look, there's always you know there's always the dream of the four day work week or whatever that uh, that we aim towards in the bar, and then every week someone's sick or someone's. <laughs> so yeah, it does tend to uh, creep up a little bit, but yeah, get by. I don't get to sleep as late as I used to, basically. <laughs> Lucky you. Uh, okay, well, can we before we get started, let's talk a little bit about your origin story. How'd you get into the bar world to start with? Um, yeah, well, I mean, I think like a lot of us, I sort of just turned 16 and wanted some extra money for all my underage clubbing and so on. So, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, obviously not having access to a car or anything like that. My options were kind of limited to where I could walk to from my house. And basically the options were either there was a shopping center so you could do retail or um, there was a couple of little restaurants. And I thought, well, if I do um, waitressing, then I can get some tips as well. And considering the starting wage for a 16-year-old in Scotland is not great, I thought that was the smart move. Um, so I started doing that there. So kind of worked um, in hospitality all the way through, yeah, uh, like kind of end of school and university. Um, yeah. Not obviously at that point really thinking about it particularly seriously, I suppose. Um, and I was on the floor rather than in the bar. But after uh, I graduated from uni, I decided to go, um, you know, do a gap year as uh, as all people that like to shirk responsibility do. And yep. I went over to Canada um, and sort of w- walked into the equivalent of like the Eau de Vie or the Everly or so, you know, just not, I didn't have a clue. It was this like very fancy cocktail bar. Um, and I was like, you know, I've got a fair bit of experience. I was, you know, best waitress 2004 at Parkland's Country Club in Glasgow. And they were sort of like, ah, oh, look, like you probably don't quite have the experience. We need to run a section or, or be in the bar, but we are looking for a host. Um, 
which is obviously a position that we're seeing a little bit more of now in Australia, but kind of Mm. was quite foreign to me at the time, um, but is a big thing in North America. So I just kind of stood at the door and yeah, like um, organized the bookings and showed people to their table and stuff. But Mm. from my little spot, um, I just had a great view right down the bar um, and I just was pretty blown away by the magic of it, you know, um, seeing these guys. People would come in and they might be a bit grumpy because they had to wait for a seat or whatever. And then by the time they actually got to the bar and kind of the bartender put their drinks in front of them and just chatted and um, they were all real kind of masters of their craft, um, I suppose. And so, yeah, it was just a pretty awesome thing to see. So I started sitting down and having knockoffs and they started sort of making me a different drink every night. And that's, yeah, that's where I got hooked. That's a good way to learn, huh? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And stuff is every night. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so how did you come to be in Melbourne at Bomba? Um, I, uh, went back from traveling, um, back to Scotland. I kind of wanted to find somewhere that had a similar drinks program to what the kind of places I'd been seeing in Canada. So I ended up working at the Blythewood Square Hotel, um, which had a a really good name for itself at that point. Sort of talked my way into the bar, mostly by supporting the same football team as the bar manager at the time. (laughs) Solid solid strategy there. Yeah. It was uh, was that. And the fact that I knew the word, the word Amaro was, uh, what got me over the line um and uh yeah did that for a little while got some experience and um started uh dating a guy um Rob Wilkie who's uh, still a good friend but um we just kind of decided that we wanted to get out of Glasgow and go traveling and um we knew you know like yeah it's kind of funny how much Australia and Scotland has quite a lot of crossover with bartenders and things so there's a few people that we knew that you know had either come and lived here or um had been living over in Edinburgh and Glasgow um that were from Melbourne originally so yeah we we um I had no idea though I didn't look up Melbourne at all so I packed like nine swimsuits and then turned up here in August <laughs> with like nothing warm. So, yeah, I didn't uh, – looking back, I probably should have done a bit more research. But well, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, you think Australia is hot you're from Scotland. Everywhere else yeah. has got to be hot compared to that, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, great. And so uh, what's your role at Bomber? You're the you're bar manager there? Yeah, so, yeah, bar yeah. manager um, officially, but I have been there sort of – uh, like six years now, I think. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I got, I did the working holiday visa originally and bounced around a few, um, you know, Lily Blacks and Union Electric and so on. Mm. But then I needed to look for somewhere that could actually sponsor me. And um, as anyone yeah. that, know, you know, has gone through it all, it's pretty difficult. Um, but because Bomba is a restaurant, has a kitchen, it's an easier um, thing. So got sponsored mm. there and the guys have just been super um, supportive of me kind of through everything. So yeah, I guess I'm kind of in a, in a, overseeing sort of bar manager venue manager type thing i've never really yeah stressed too much about the um the actual title but i kind of basically anything that's liquid in that venue sort of goes through me (laughs) goes through you that's an interesting sort of phrase car (laughs) and just quickly for people who haven't been to bomba in melbourne it's this beautiful rooftop bar what is it you kind of do there yeah, so um, there's kind of two levels to it. So we've got a restaurant on the ground floor, which is, um, you know, Spanish tapas, sort of uh, full table service, um, casual fine dining in that way that Melbourne does best. Mm. Um, and then I, my domain is more the rooftop bar. Um, so that's just on the fifth floor. So not hugely high, but it has a, a really nice little view kind of out over the cathedral and stuff. Um, and we try and tie in a bit with um, the Spanish theme. So kind of a lot of our wine is Spanish. We have um, a lot of kind of vermouth and sherry. Um, and quite kind of aperitivo, spritzy style drinks. Um, and yeah, little tapas up there as well, but not not as extensive as in the restaurant. For sure. Um, and so 
give us a, just a sort of brief overview of what your week looks like at the moment because there's a few different strands to what you sort of do. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I really should probably have it a bit more organized, but I'm, usually I'm off sort of Sunday, Monday, Tuesday is the is the dream at the moment. Um, yeah. Sunday, obviously, as it is for a lot of us, is tends to be a bit of a fun day. And then um, Monday, I usually have to kind of try and drag myself out of bed and get some work done. Um, so I usually film for YouTube sort of once a month. Um, but do try and get ahead a bit in terms of scripts and things because otherwise it ends up being a lot sort of right before it. So yeah. um, it's kind of nice doing with Australian Bartender just now as well. Uh, I definitely do a bit of overlap where if I'm writing something for one of them, then I might kind of redo it in a slightly different way, but using a lot of the same <laughs> uh, research, I suppose, um, for yeah. the other one. Yeah. Work, work smarter, not harder. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about yeah. repurposing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, basically just a lot of writing. So writing um, the scripts every week, uh, we upload a video on either Tuesday or the Wednesday. So I kind of have to schedule that, um, mm. which includes sort of going through and adding all the cards and um, subtitles and things like that. Um, and yeah. then, yeah, uh, Bartender Magazine, I kind of get do two articles a, a month as well. So that's not heat. It's not too much. Um, so I'll usually just kind of get my assignments for that two weeks out from the due date and try and do one a week. Um, kind of until I need to send it over. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then kind of a, a bomba from from Wednesday through till Saturday is the usual pattern. Nice and busy. Let's start with the Australian bartender stuff, and then we'll get to YouTube in a, in a moment. Yeah. So what's what's your kind of beat at Australian bartender? Because you're you're running about Melbourne mostly, is it? Yeah. I mean, um, I guess I, I think I am technically the the Melbourne correspondent, uh, is what they what they wrote. But um, you know, I've definitely tried. Like I've got an interview coming up, sort of a profile, I suppose, um, which is Anna Mitchell, um, who is actually from Geelong. Um, so there's so many uh, cool kind of regional stuff going on just yeah. now. And so I think it's, it's trying to look outside the um, the kind of those metro centres that always get all the all the glory as well. Um, but yeah, obviously it's kind of right what you know and, and I'm very much Melbourne based. So um, it does tend to be Melbourne people and Melbourne bars um, that I look at. And then quite often there'll be uh, once every couple of months is sort of uh, one that's a bit more sort of cocktail history focused. Um, so sure. you know, I did one on the sidecar and the Brandy Crusta. And then, yeah, this month I'm working on a couple of um, whiskey cocktail kind of ones, just fitting in with, I guess, whatever the edition uh, theme is. Yep. Yeah, I know it all too well. How did you get into the writing side of things? Because YouTube came first, was it? Or were you doing some writing before that? Uh, yeah, no, YouTube came first, really, when it comes to to drinks. Um, I have always been, uh, I guess, yeah, if, you, if you'd asked me what I wanted to be up until I was about 18, I would have said an author. So I've always enjoyed writing. Um, and then uh, I guess during lockdown, actually, Sean Baxter um, kind of approached me about doing some stuff for Never Never um, for their blog posts and things on the website. Um, which was really cool. I, um, I guess just cause he, you know, he was like, well, you do all the YouTube stuff and obviously you write the scripts for that. So even mm. though I was definitely like, I don't really have any experience in it. He, um, he figured I would probably be okay. So I think <laughs> having someone like that give a, a bit of, um, confidence in you is obviously always great. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, you know, it's, it was that Diageo for however long, he knows a thing or two about marketing. So if he thinks it's not that bad, then, <laughs> then I'm pretty happy with that. 
Um, and then actually, obviously, yourself, uh, we when we were doing the scholarship thing, you mm. did um, the kind of uh, writing on drinks workshop, um, which I really enjoyed and sent in the whiskey piece that you published in Boothby. So thank you very much for that. Oh, that was a wonderful um, piece. That was a really moving piece, I thought. So. Uh, Thanks, pal. Yeah, I was definitely feeling feeling pretty homesick and nostalgic at that point when, you know, not having been home for however long. Yeah. So, um, and then, yeah, I guess uh, John O'Carr, who was also in that um, thing, he, he'd been doing some writing for Australian Bartender, but because mm. he was uh, opening his own place, he couldn't really commit to doing as much as he, he had been. So um, he kind of put my name forward uh, off the back of that to um, the Spantons to maybe do a bit of work there. So yeah, you, it was it was you, Sam. You were the castles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's very kind of you to say. <laughs> play play to the host. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> okay, well let's let's get into the YouTube thing because you've got a, a channel with uh, when I had a look about one hundred thirty five thousand subscribers. Yeah, some videos up into that many hundreds of thousands. Um, it's been going for what, two, three, maybe more years now. Yeah, I should really check that, actually. I think it must be three years now. It was definitely a while before the pandemic, um, right. which I think obviously that did give a huge boost to it with everyone kind of being at home and wanting to make cocktails at home. But I think the fact that, because um, a lot of people did start doing online stuff during the pand pandemic, I think yeah. the fact that we already had a bit of a you know catalog of stuff up there that people could um, move through when they first started looking it wasn't like a crazy rush to get heaps of material out so mm. um yeah i think that that's kind of why that worked quite well right and so how did it come about what was the uh, impetus to go hey i want to do this uh youtube channel i want to show people how to make drinks well and teach them a little yeah. bit about the actual history of things and yeah, I guess that, I guess that that thought almost didn't ever really actually happen. <laughs> um, my uh, one of the guys that owns Bomba, Jesse, um, he's really great. He's definitely like a big ideas guy, and you know, a lot of the time it's people like me being like, "Well, no, Jesse, we can't do that because X, Y, and Z." Um, Slow but, down, you know, Jesse. Just hold your horses a second. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but you know, every every business needs some of both of those types of people, I think. Um, yeah. And and obviously, sometimes he completely pulls it off, and it's great. Um, so he came to me saying that one of his friends uh, from um, kind of from high school that he'd known a long time, who was a videographer, editor sort of person, um, was interested in in the YouTube space. Um, I think is the parlance, and he. <laughs> was thinking that a drinks um, YouTube would be a good idea. Um, and so he asked Jesse because he um, Josh wasn't, you know, hospitality, so he didn't really know that many people. Mm. Um, so yeah, asked Jesse if he had any suggestions and Jesse kind of put us in touch. Um, so that was sort of the original partners, I suppose, was um, Bomba slash Jesse, uh, me, and then um, Josh Moore. And uh, so it was just really me and Josh slogging away at it for um, the first little while. and. Yeah. yeah, I guess the reason that I did it was because I was kind of conscious of the fact that at that point it was all just like dudes. If you looked at um, YouTube, there was it was and quite and quite broy a lot of it. Um, yeah, there's a lot. So, of, there's a lot of that sort of uh, you know, it's like the strongest drinks and all that kind of. There's a bit of crap yeah. out there. 
right? Yeah. <laughs> and look, and it's hard because, you know, those kind of videos do get lots of, you You know, you do yeah. sometimes I write, I have to write the captions and I'm like, oh, this is so like cringy, but you need to, you know, <laughs> you do have to play into it a, a little bit, you know, well, like the long you've got to get your attention. It's yeah. the strongest drink ever. And I'm like, well, no, because everyone actually measures the booze. So it's not actually really any stronger, but you know, you kind of have to, yeah, do be a little bit clickbaity, bring people in and then be like, sure. actually, this is silly. You know? yeah. yeah so I guess that that is that is sort of why um I decided to do it in the first place you know I think we're, we're super lucky in Melbourne we have a really amazing diverse hospitality community and so I just wanted that to be reflected a, a little bit more um mm. on what you see online and things and so how did you go about working out I mean there's definitely a strategy to what you do on YouTube from what I can tell how did you go about working out how you're gonna I mean do those particular videos rather than say another different style of video? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it, I guess, just came quite naturally from the fact, um, I guess on YouTube, they talk a lot about authenticity, that idea of you can't, you know, people can tell if you're not doing something that's sort of how you would be in real life, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so I think in terms of the the kind of actual uh, speaking style and just how I explain things and and that that is just what I'm like. So, and I'm writing the scripts and I'm saying it. So that all kind of fell into place pretty easily. Yeah. In terms of the actual format, um, that really came about more from just trying to figure out how we could get as much content as possible from, um, you know, one shoot day. So for instance, uh, we might do, you know, five great gin cocktails. And so that's one quite long in-depth video with lots of chat about maybe gin styles and why certain gins work for certain cocktails. Mm. But then we can also cut that down into the five individual cocktails as sort of like make it quick um, ones. Right. Because obviously you always get some people that are on the long format ones are like, oh, why are you talking so much? Just get to the point. So it's kind of good to be able to turn around and be like, well, no, actually, like this is for the people that are interested in that. But we do just have straight, you know, two minute, like here's how to make a daiquiri or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then and then, yeah, again, kind of some of the which is funny because it's actually ended up being one of the most watched ones on the channel is kind of quite uh, embarrassing, actually, because we were filming at Anyada. <laughs> Um, which is not a, which is another, like one of Bomba's sisters, uh, sorry, no matter, which is one of Bomba's sisters restaurants, which, um, has sadly since closed down, but it's not a, it's not a bar, it's a restaurant. So they're not as well set up with sort of, I guess, tasting glasses and things like that. And I just wasn't really thinking about it heaps, but anyway, we had an extra 10 minutes on a shoot day one time and it was like, okay, what can we do without a script so that you can just sort of like smash out. So yeah. I did like how to drink whiskey like a boss, which was kind of, you know, like different styles of Scottish whiskey and how to order it and, you know, what neat means versus whatever. But I did drink it neat out of a tumbler. And so the amount of abuse that I got from that. <laughs> 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 I was like, mm -hmm. Yeah, really? Oh, well, yeah. Just a side note. Do you think, do you have a preference? Are you a Glen Can person or are you quite happy with a tumbler? <laughs> I like the little stem. I like a little copita style. Yeah. It's what I drink from at home generally, your little kind of snifter glasses. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I do think it's pretty funny. Like my fiance is, you know, a pretty big whiskey person, but he, he yeah. likes a tumbler for just drinking whiskey in bed. And it's not something that he's like, you know, really like nosing and really kind of uh, evaluating. Uh, it's just a, a nice, well-known dram. Just drink it out of the glass. that feels good in your hand, I think. Yeah. And so how many views did that drink whiskey like a boss video get? Because it's quite um, a few, right? I haven't honestly checked in recently, but I think it was like a good few hundred thousand. Um, yeah. That was one that really kind of uh, spiked quite a lot past, I guess, which is, you know, is when it starts getting a bit weird as well because there's a lot of people then, I guess, see it that aren't 
really, um, I don't want to say not the target audience, but I suppose they're not really kind of invested in, you know, the channel in general or anything like that. So that's when you start getting some kind of shitty comments and stuff right. as well. So um, it's definitely a bit of a double-edged sword when it goes, uh, I mean, I don't know if that counts as viral, but when it goes, yeah, a little bit kind of past yeah. your normal reach. Right. Uh, what, what is your audience? What, what are you, who are you trying to think of when you're making these videos? Um, I mean, for me, what I did really want was, a, you know, definitely wanted it to be a resource for bartenders starting out, um, especially, you know, maybe kind of uh, female bartenders or other people that just maybe don't always feel as comfortable kind of um, winging it or, you know, or asking for help or whatever in the first place. Yeah. Um, so that was definitely what I had in mind when we started but I think as with all of these things um it's definitely morphed a little bit over time um and I would say that actually the majority of our uh viewers are more kind of um enthusiastic amateurs yeah. which is just like really lovely because uh, you know I don't know sometimes I just wonder if we I don't like if what we do is I don't know what the word would be but I guess it's like if it's just a bit frivolous or you know whether like because I guess I always really loved that idea of you know make someone a drink and ask them how their day is you're sort of having a tangible effect on their day and hopefully making it better for them mm. um, but obviously all through the you know especially through the pandemic and all the masks and the regulations and you know telling people what not to do all the time and stuff it definitely started getting a bit exhausting um yeah then when you have people sort of being like oh you know i made this drink that you, like you know i went out and bought the bottles and it's delicious and you know you're like okay cool like people are it does you know it does make people feel happy i think to kind of drink good things um yeah, yeah. and I, I think i have seen on your i think on your instagram stories you sometimes reshare when people have tagged you in a photo that they've made from one of the videos yeah 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 the um yeah it's like quite quite common now which is really nice and and especially because there's um you know a lot from a lot of different countries as well like the majority of um my viewers are actually in the states um but also a lot in sort of india and italy and um yeah. i think like some of the eastern european like russia as well um so yeah it's it's again i mean the internet's a wonderful thing and you know it's evil in many ways but a wonderful <laughs> thing in many other ways in terms of just sort of connecting and creating that community across uh you know does millions it, of miles does that blow your mind a little bit that you can put up a video and then someone in say russia is going to make the drink that you've made and enjoy it and then tell you that they enjoyed making the drink yeah totally like it's yeah. it's really it's so nice um and then you, you know it does make you think it's it yeah i guess it changes sort of how you have to explain things and what maybe because just you know so many countries don't have access to the same range of amazing booze that we sure. you know we can pop down to even just our sort of local shop would probably have um more options than a lot of other places and then you know the opposite where anytime i talk about tequila or mezcal all of the viewers in the states are like have you tried this one have you tried and i'm like no <laughs> we don't get very many <laughs> if anyone wants to send me some then please do uh, <laughs> yeah, so. Uh, and so so you mentioned that you do like a, a month's worth of videos you film them in a day for people who might like to sort of get into this kind of thing what kind of production setup do you have to have? Do you have, you know, fancy lights, fancy camera? How much editing goes into the videos? What, is, what does it look like once you've done that one day to getting the content out the door? Yeah, I mean, like, I do have to be honest, like, I'm so lucky in terms of the quality of the production that um, has been used on Behind the Bar. So, mm. um, you know, as I said, Josh, who was the original partner, he, um, you know, is a very well, like, uh, well-renowned um, cameraman, I suppose, who had all of his own equipment, 
Um, so even on, on shoot days, because it was just the two of us, he would do two different cameras. So one sort of static one and one for close-ups and things like that. Um, he was yeah. also doing the sound and lighting because I, you know, don't know anything about any of that. So, um, it was, yeah, a pretty amazing feat, um, that he managed to do it all to that same quality. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've always outsourced the editing, um, cause it does take quite a long time. Mm. Um, so yeah that did take a bit of initial investment um from the guys at bomba you know it wasn't yeah we weren't just sort of i guess doing it off our like iphones or whatever so there's obviously some um some pros and cons to that approach um we now so josh has uh kind of left as a partner um but i now actually have like a media company um called brunch who have sort of taken over his third um of the partnership and so that's uh, you know, there's a couple more people around on shoot days um, and everything's a little bit more dynamic. We've actually started filming at their studio so that, yeah. you know, they're kind of um, uh, bumping and bump out is much less intensive than trying to do it in one of the restaurants. And, you know, we don't have to deal with uh, with where like chefs coming in to check the sourdough starter and all that yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> there's always a bit, uh, a bit Screaming of chef, yeah. And, yeah. Um, although it does mean that, because uh, I just don't actually have a back bar. So if I do, as I usually do, and forget something like this time around, uh, Beam Suntory will be very happy because I made about five cocktails with Makers 46 because it was the only American whiskey that I actually <laughs> bought from Bomba. <laughs> I didn't mean to be quite so biased, but yeah, I just completely forgot to bring a rye as well yeah um so yeah like i'm not i'm not gonna lie like for yeah the amount of sort of production that goes into behind the bar is pretty intensive mm. um and you would need to have people that kind of know what they're doing i know there's obviously a lot of um kind of uh programs and things out there that make all of that stuff a lot easier and i definitely keep meaning to try and get my head around some of it so that i'm not quite so useless with all of the back of house stuff yeah. um but yeah i've been i've been definitely pretty lucky in that um we, i've had some really solid partners who are willing to put in a lot of time and effort um and yeah and so with the you know i guess in, in terms of the financial aspects of it it basically means that our you like ad revenue from youtube and stuff mm. pretty much just gets fed right back in to cover the editing and things like that yeah um and then yeah and then it's kind of just like sponsorships and things that are above and beyond that so it's basically sort right. of self-sufficient but i'm not retiring on a yacht yeah well, that, that was my next question for you can you make money making videos on youtube for this sort of thing um i'm sure you can i haven't really (laughs) (laughs) Uh, no you it is a bit of a beast in that obviously the more you upload the more you know you add revenue you get and all that kind of thing so if you were happy you know yeah sometimes i i wonder if we should have just sort of kept it all a little bit more low low key and low cost and sort of just pump them out um a bit more but i i you know i guess i'm a bit of a perfectionist um so i do like having a, a pretty like high quality production um so yeah really now it's getting to the point where we're big enough that we are being approached by you know some sponsorships and and so on so um yeah it's as i said it's kind of at the the tipping point now of it it, about being um self-sufficient um but yeah it's it's not a it's not a cash cow i think (laughs) unless i mean i mean maybe if you actually you know maybe i just need to bite the bullet and give up bomba and just do it full time like i don't know if there's a tipping point there of if you actually just put in you know heaps of effort but i think Mm. doing it the way that i am where there's only so much um 
sort of time and content that I can actually produce in a in a month. It's always just going to be a bit more of a side hustle, I imagine. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. What at what sort of point did you realize that this the channel was growing a bit? When did you start getting some significant views? Um, it was probably kind of right at the beginning of um, of lockdowns and things. Right. So sort of. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it's funny because you get excited. At, you know, I remember, like, obviously we got so excited when we hit, like, 10,000 subscribers. Yeah. And then and then it kind of, you know, did sort of spiral up from from that quite quickly. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think definitely kind of the, the worldwide lockdown sort of in, you know, March, April 2020 was definitely mm. um, a point where it started to... to um, get some pretty decent numbers going. Yeah, with everyone sitting at home. Let's, I mean, yeah. how, how did you sort of get the word out there that you had the channel? I mean, I remember you, I think you you post links on Facebook, I think back when you were getting started, I remember seeing those a fair bit. And you wouldn't put the videos on Facebook so much, but you direct them to the YouTube channel. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, I think Facebook's a whole other, I mean, again, talking about editing and stuff like that, we've, we've sort of talked about going back and cutting a lot of the old um, footage, but, you need to, yeah, basically every single platform yeah. has slightly different technical specifications and also just uh, like your um, like attention spans, I suppose. Like I think people will watch like a 12 minute video on YouTube, but they won't watch a 12 minute video on Facebook or, you know, Instagram doesn't even support it sort of thing and, yeah. or TikTok. Um, so, yeah, we've definitely thought about repurposing um, across different platforms, but Really, at the beginning, we just used YouTube as yeah, funneling everyone to YouTube, um, yeah. and using the other uh, platforms just as sort of to get the word out there a little bit. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, do you, do you have to do that so much anymore? Because because you now have that subscriber base on YouTube, or are you still trying to use the other platforms? To, I guess to to market that you've got new videos out. Yeah, we still, um, I still use, you know, Instagram and I guess Instagram and Facebook, it sort of posts the same, you know, to each account um, every time we put a new video up. Uh, and we've also started doing um, the little collaboration with Fever Tree, which is just like some cute uh, reels about, you know, sort of different gin and tonics and garnishes sort of thing um, on Instagram. So hoping to do a little bit more of that as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then everyone keeps talking to me about tiktok and i'm so far <laughs> resisting yeah <laughs> but uh, yeah i mean i just I, I don't actually even have it like i just don't think that i need like yet another app that's just going to take up all of my time and attention that's it right there's, there's quite a, there's quite enough attention yeah there's quite enough attention hogging apps out there already but yeah i mean i mean i had jan ryan from Dippers guide on the podcast last week and yeah that was a really interesting chat in that just the way that you can reach all these people on TikTok that, I don't know, whatever it is with their algorithm that just blasts it out there. And you can apparently go from a small sort of subscriber base or follower base to these ridiculously large views. Yeah, so, and I mean, obviously she's she's making, yeah, really fun stuff. I think that's yeah. like perfect for, for that platform. Um, but I think the good, as, as far as I understand, the good thing about TikTok as well is I do think that you actually get paid more basically for like if you get a lot of views and things is um it's a it's a more of a lucrative one i i yeah but i haven't honestly delved into it too much but from yeah. what i understand it's uh, um yeah the the creators on there um are a little bit better re remunerated if they um if they get a lot of views and things so that's obviously mm. quite appealing as well 
So how do you go about um, monetizing this stuff? I hate that word, monetizing, but it's what yeah. everyone uses. Because <laughs> um, you, you mentioned you were doing some sponsorships and that sort of thing. Are you going to approach brands or are they coming to you? Uh, do you Is it like a pretty much a custom thing you do or do you have like a template that you're selling them? Yeah, no, it's it's pretty custom at the moment. Um, so, I mean, monetizing on on YouTube is just something that happens, I think, when you hit a certain amount of subscribers or a certain amount of views or something, that's sort of when... Um, cause when you first start out, you don't, uh, yeah, you don't like actually make anything from YouTube and then it's yeah. once you hit a certain point, that's when you get your ad revenue and stuff. Um, in terms of kind of working with brands and things, it's obviously something that I do want to be sort of careful with because, mm. um, especially where it's booze brands, um, and things, I definitely don't ever want to, uh, you know, be putting my like face and name to anything that I don't actually think is good, but we've had some really like fun ones. Mr. Black did quite a big push on a few different you know with a few different kind of cocktail youtubers and things and so we did um one with them and that was kind of one of our first brand collabs uh, as they like to call them and there's a, there's a whole lingo i mean you're talking about me yeah. being busy it is kind of funny because there's this whole uh i don't know what the word would be industry i suppose of people that sit between brands and creators so um I guess, kind of middlemen that try and match you up with brands and things. Yeah. But they all, I guess that's their full-time job would just be like sitting out there. So they'll like send me an email. And then if I haven't replied by like the next day, they're like, just following up on, you know, and I'm like, yeah, I just did a 15 hour shift. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't actually in my emails on a, you know, Friday, <laughs> at like four o'clock, surprisingly <laughs> enough, that that can be kind of funny. Yeah. So there, there's a bit of that where they're kind of matching you with, I guess, fairly random brands that, you know, um, like men's skincare and stuff that's more based on what your demographic is of people that watch your channel, as opposed to what the channel's about. Right. Okay. Um, so I've done like one or two of those just because like just to That's... try and pay the bills, but um, it definitely always feels a bit weird. Was it, what was the product? Was it men's skincare? There is a men's skincare one. No. Yeah. Oh, how did that go? <laughs> <laughs> uh actually kind of fine i was i was definitely waiting for a bit of bad like i was like if people want to make fun of me for selling out i'll be completely reasonable like that's fair go know? for it yeah why not but, uh, but yeah no i think everyone's pretty used to it now where it's like you are getting so much free content that you know if you do have to sit through a little like 60 second you know on something well, like did you I'm, I'm fascinated by this by the way <laughs> i'm fascinated by the creative challenge there <laughs> um I, well i think i did i made a bit of a joke about um you know i think kind of like because it had a few different uh like you know there's the the moisturizer and the exfoliator yeah. and the blah blah and so i kind of talked about it as if it was cocktail ingredients right. like you know you need to do like a little bit of this and a little bit of that and then you get yeah. <laughs> oh that's fantastic i don't know it's honestly a while ago i need to revisit exactly i'm how gonna have it. a look for it and put the link in the in the show notes for sure yeah <laughs> oh, that's, um, that's awesome but yeah no the, but the, it's good like there's um yeah there's definitely more brands approaching us now and and some interest like fun stuff um like i've got one coming out just now which is or i think next week uh which is for tipsy which is like an online um booze mm. retailer in the states which yeah. is really cool because basically one of the main you know the states is so complicated for getting booze like every single individual state has different rules and regulations around what can be sold where and what can be imported and all that kind of thing yeah so i do quite often get people saying that they can't find stuff that i use in the videos so something like that's like actually useful yeah for um people that watch it as well if it can be like you know 
and if you go on here, then you can actually find the stuff that I'm using. Yeah, well, ideally, um, you want the ads to be useful to people too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, everyone wins it. Kind of random, one hundred percent. But you know, yeah. also we can't. You know, can't we can have our morals? But <laughs> <laughs> oh, look! Yeah. Anyone who gets angry about anyone selling out, just you know. Hasn't had the opportunity to sell out yet. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> True. I always think that's funny. Bartenders love to get annoyed about, you know, when beer, like breweries sell yeah. to someone bigger and stuff like that. And I'm just like, dude, if someone offered you like $40 million, like <laughs> yeah. you would be. Yeah. For, your, for your bottled cocktail, yeah. You're going to sell as much of it as you as, as, yeah, as you can. Exactly. What are, what are the parts of your, your role that you're finding the most creative and most rewarding at the moment? Well, I actually just finished writing a book, which is pretty fun so that um kind of through behind the bar um yeah we got a got a book deal so that sort of wrapped up I had to hand it in in March um so now we've been doing sort of the the photography and design side of things which is really fun um so yeah working with some with some really cool people on that um so yeah definitely looking and so just got through sort of the second pages as they call it so where all the text is actually set into the design and, and with the photos in there and stuff so it's actually starting to feel kind of real so um that's that's, that was yeah definitely the the highlight of sort of end of last year beginning of this year when's that looking to come out uh next march i think it is um yeah so there's kind of the this last round of editing and then i think they send it you know uh over to china or something to get printed and um it all takes a little minute so uh hopefully by that point i will have uh i will have forgotten how stressful it was trying to <laughs> get it in on time in the first place but <laughs> um, i'm sure you won't yeah <laughs> yeah um and uh but yeah i mean at, at bomba um it's pretty good I've, I've just i've got a really awesome 2ic that's just started working with me and i guess with the idea that hopefully at some point i'll sort of start to take a little step back and look at some other projects that we're looking at as a group um so kind of mostly just handing a lot of the, the reins over to him now so I, I don't honestly do quite as much of the um creative stuff i've got a few uh yeah a few guys that um are are doing really well and and yeah coming up with some absolutely banging drinks but i more just taste them and critique now and then do the spreadsheets at the back of it <laughs> yeah the fun um, stuff yeah. yeah yeah so uh yeah really i would say um it is more the more the writing side of things that's that's the um satisfying me creatively now but being yeah. perfectly honest i've never been the most creative of bartenders like i'm pretty open about that i'm i'm definitely you know no nick tazar or like yeah, yeah those people that just have magic palettes i've always kind of been like here's a twist on a classic yeah well they only made one nick tazar let's be honest yeah. uh, <laughs> and so for for people who might like to get into the world of you know writing and uh you know writing scripts for videos and stuff uh in the world of drinks what what kind of advice could you give them for someone starting out? Where should they look to go? Should they look to YouTube? Is, is it still possible to build an audience there today? Um, I mean, I, th- I think so. Like, I don't, I, you know, I guess I'm, I'm not honestly too sure about that, um, whether it would be different if I was starting it now compared to um, when I did. But it still feels like there's a there's a really kind of engaged and, um, and interested uh, community out there. You know, a lot of the people that sort of follow me also follow quite a lot of other cocktail bartenders. Mm. Whether or not you'll ever be able to break out of, um, you know, up into the millions of sub- subscribers in this niche is, I think there's only like one um, 
kind of which is a bit more again on that kind of broy, quite like loud, you know, yelly sort of uh bartending <laughs> sort of thing. Um yeah. and he's got yeah, he's got about a million subscribers, I think, but everyone else is kind of more around um the hundreds of thousands that, you know, have done quite well in the drinks um space. Yeah. Uh so yeah, again, probably don't be planning your entire retirement on it. But if you enjoy doing it, then you know, and and I do think it just helps in general. Um, I guess I, I did a talk at the uh, at works when Worksmith were doing like the Melbourne Cocktail Festival Symposium. And, you know, I do think that we are so lucky, um, especially in, you know, Melbourne, S- Sydney, uh, Brisbane, Adelaide or whatever. You've just got some of the best bars in the world. And mm. then that's your normal, you know, like we just wouldn't even flinch at going in and being like reading a some kind of description of a cocktail with five different tinctures and infusions and you know fermented and whatever like that's just all pretty like par for the course almost at this point for us but it's really not for you know 90 percent of people that that kind of drink drinks so i think that whole thing of communication and trying to bring people along and you know not just be kind of wankers just like talking to ourselves about you know how cool we are (laughs) um i think is really important uh it's trying to yeah, make sure that people feel because at the end of the day, hospitality is is you know about making people feel welcome and comfortable, and so yeah. I think in the thing that we can kind of do in that sort of communication space to, and especially I think as things are getting more expensive, like I was out last week and you know most of the bars that I went to, the your starting cocktail was like twenty four, twenty five dollars. Yeah. Um, and so I think again, there needs to be like a real communication around why that is. Um, yeah. You know the amount of time and effort that goes into homemade ingredients obviously the rising cost of booze anyway um and all of that kind of thing i think yeah we we need to make sure that we're sort of bringing people along on the journey otherwise people are just going to be like why am i spending you know this much um if they just don't really get it so oh i I did want to say too by the way just while i thought of it uh congrats on the top 10 nomination at tales of the cocktail for the youtube series that's huge Yeah, thank you. I was, I was definitely still, yeah, I think when I was working up in Canada, that was sort of, I I like the first cocktail um, competition or or whatever you want to call it um, that I heard of. So that was definitely a, yeah, like one of those ones where like, man, if if I could have told myself 10 years ago that this was going to happen, I would have thought I was crazy. So um, yeah, that was really fun. That's amazing. Uh, Yeah. Maybe maybe next year we'll get top four and actually go to New Orleans. <laughs> there, you go. there you go. Well, we'll just get everyone in Australia to vote for you. How about that? I think that's <laughs> yeah, a if solid we arrange, That would be, yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah, the millions of people listening to this podcast, they'll get on board with it, sure. Yes. Uh, well, Cara, thanks so much for talking to me. I really enjoyed that chat. Um, and I look forward to the book coming out and, and everything else in the future. Yeah, thank you. And, yeah, again, thanks for, for um, kind of still uh, – going forwards with some good quality drinks journalism and um the podcast and everything i think it's a it's a very good addition to the australian bartending scene so thank you for that very kind of you to say all right thanks very much Carl. thanks Carl. see you later thank you to Cara divine for joining me i'm looking forward to her book and thank you to you for listening as always i hope you enjoyed this episode and if you did please give it a rating on apple Podcasts, on spotify or wherever you get yours If you've got some thoughts on this episode you'd like to share or you've got an idea of someone you'd like me to talk to for drinks at work, please, my email is sam at boothby.com.au. It would be great to hear from you. Until next week, this has been Drinks at Work by Boothby.